It's life on life's terms. What's up, everybody? It's the Life on Life's Terms podcast, and we're back. Yes. Um, um, we are here at a New Way Recovery Center in Quincy, Mass., on Quincy Ave., um, who is very uh, gracious to let us use this space uh, Great people. To, to provide this podcast. Um, I'm Tom Robinson, yes. a grateful recovering addict, and like I always say, we're not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we do endorse them. Um, I'm Chris Mandeville. I'm a recovered heroin addict. Uh, you can find our audio podcast at lolterms.com. Uh, you can like, subscribe, and share from there. Please subscribe. Yes. Um, you know, we, we're just trying to do what we can to bring awareness to what's going on um, with this epidemic and and it's not just opioids there's plenty of alcoholics out there still dying too from this disease um dropping into i think there's actually more but uh the overdose rate has skyrocketed uh recently um so tonight we have uh rob demio we had him on real quick at um susan lordy's event uh 24hourpower.com she had a fundraiser for her 24 hour palooza yeah she had a fundraiser for her organization (laughs) and um, you know, we had him on real quick and, you know, I've, I've seen him around on Facebook and, and, you know, heard, heard the name and, um, you know, we liked what he had to say when he came on real quick. So we had him come back down so we could tell his whole story and, uh, we're going to turn it over to him and hear what his experience, strength and hope. I appreciate it guys. It was really good seeing you guys at the event, all the events you guys go, you guys go hard. Yeah, we try, <laughs> we try, we try. We really do for a couple of, uh. <laughs> blue collar guys that had no clue what they were doing no this is fantastic the yeah. setup it's all technical and stuff it's, yeah. it's crazy you guys just figured it out on your own i'm impressed yep and now I'm, I'm a grateful recovering heroin addict too as well um you know it's funny you talk about the you know the epidemic it's more like a plague yeah you know exactly. it's, it's it taken yeah. so many lives it's it's just mm. unreal every day is a new is a new death there's a new r.i.p on facebook there's you know a new I, I, there was one on the way here yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine died Friday, and I just found out today. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, who knows if he was there since then? Like, you know what I mean? It, it's it's horrible. Yeah. What's what's the untold toll? You know what I mean? What are we who What are we missing out on that we would have got from these people who were just dropping? Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Young people, absolutely, and, and, and people with so much potential. You know, they're just they're just taken from us. You know what I mean? One of those could have blossomed into who knows what. It's crazy. That been good absolutely. for society. Yeah. You know. You know, we've got all these things like the cure for cancer could be trapped exactly. inside an addict's brain. Exactly. Addicts are some of the most resourceful people I've ever met in my oh, life. Yeah. And the fact that like an addict with the cure for cancer or a cure like that for some sort of disease or something to invent, Anything. like is calling a detox and there's no beds and yeah. being told, no, we or, don't have a bed or, or that right. person has overdosed and is no longer right. with us. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't imagine the potential that's being lost out there. Yeah. Right. It's unreal. Yeah. But I'm a grateful recovering heroin addict. Like you said, I grew up in um, Somerville. You know, I came from a uh, single-family household. My mom, you know, she did the best she could to give me everything that I ever needed or wanted. And, uh, you know, she did everything she could to keep us out of the projects. And, uh, mm. you know, we lived in, like, this three-family house in Somerville. She had this, you know, creepy landlord that lived there. You know, my mom separated from my father because he was a uh, vicious alcoholic, very abusive, yeah. you know, abused me, abused her, the, the whole nine yards, you know. And, uh, 
you know, as a kid, like my mother would, you know, it was pretty much dressing me up to go play gladiator at my father's house for weekend visits yeah. until she got that stuff stopped, you know, and uh, yeah. you know, she always knew something was going on. She knew his disease of alcoholism was getting a little too far, but she, um, there wasn't much she could do. You know, right. she was, she had, a and, and it, it makes you think like, did he do those things because of his disease? Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. It, like we know that not everyone that does that stuff is, is mentally ill. I mean, a lot of people are, but. A lot of times it's due to your your illness um and and you know we self-medicate to try and and feel okay you know so like um he'd do his thing you know and uh she finally got that to stop so like at a young age i was predisposed to this disease of addiction and um you know growing up like you know that landlord that we had like he used to touch me when i was a kid so mm-hmm. like i had that going on too you know yeah. my mother didn't know what was happening i was told that if i told my mother that we would have to like move out of the apartment and we'd have no way to live we'd be homeless yeah so yep. you know at five wow. six seven years old i'm walking around with these feelings and having to take yeah. on roles in my life because i didn't really have anyone around me so like yeah so, with- so all of all of this started with trauma absolutely with with big the trauma time. that's, yeah, that's I mean. all a lot of trauma man that's absolutely big time shit so as a kid, I had these feelings, and like the feelings that I had were different than the, the kids my age had. So I started gravitating towards an older crowd. Okay. And like this older crowd, they were doing things a kid my age should never have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they had me smoking weed, doing coke, taking ecstasy, my drug of choice, angel dust, and you know, this angel one all. Dust. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they got family in the Charlestown area. We yeah. you know run across yeah. from some of the Charlestown constantly. Yeah. But like, we always got ours from New York. All right. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm just doing these things. And, like, when I took that first one, like, it, it, it took me outside of myself. Right. I no longer had to feel the feelings that I felt. I no longer felt different than the other kids. Yep. These older kids and me felt the same way. And I ran with that for a long, long, long time. See, and so you can't – the one thing that people do as they're addicting that keeps them out there is they feel guilty over that, you know. They feel guilty over, over all the, the ripping and running they did as kids. But the thing yes. is, you, you got to forgive yourself. That's you was a survival mechanism. That's pretty much what it was, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, like um, the things that we get into. To a, a friend of mine described it perfectly. He was like, once I found alcohol and drugs, my skin fit perfectly. It was like my tailor. You know what I mean? I was okay. I was comfortable. Like, not saying that I forgot about all those things, but they weren't, like, in the forefront of my mind, and I, and I could, like, function and, and, and enjoy what was happening at the time, you know? What age were you doing Angel Dust? 14, 13, all that whole, whole nine, you know? It, it, um, it was recreational use at first. You know, I came up in the Oxy era, right at the very end of the Oxy era, where the Oxy oh, 80s yeah. were running around. You know, as a kid, you know, we'd... Um, you know, do a couple oxy, smoke a couple dust bones, and be playing football down the football field in oh, Charlestown God. the next day. One weekend yeah. we're driving around having a good time. The next weekend we're smoking dust. The next weekend we're playing football. It's, it was all just. It's crazy. I think I was. I think I was locked up with a kid from Somerville who did dust, and I think he ended up killing his mom when he was like when he was high. Wow. And it's, it's, it's yeah. wild. Yeah, it's it's it is it's pretty insane. I never got the opiate bite when I was a kid like that, but cocaine was like like my my love at that thing. Oh, cocaine and ecstasy, and um, you know, so many nights just driving around doing the coke and the ecstasy and just drinking. having a good time drinking, drinking the whole night. Too. It all comes along with it. Yeah. yeah, you know, and um, you know, gravitating towards that older crowd. I met a uh, older woman when I was like sixteen, seventeen years old. She was quite a bit older than me, and I ended up getting her pregnant when I was seventeen. 
Mm. You know, she told me at that time, she was like, Rob, if you want to, like, be a father to your son, like, you got to stop doing this, you know, dibbling, dabbling and stop doing drugs and, you know, really get with it. So by the time I was 18, I had a new baby. I got a decent job and I was just staying abstinent from drugs and alcohol. White knuckling it. White knuckling it. Um, I had no idea through a lot of years that, like... You know, what a detox was, what a holding was, what any yeah. of this treatment, what AA or NA was, smart recovery. Same, yeah, same I didn't thing hear with these me. words back then. Yeah. You know, I, I had no idea. And, um, you know, I was able to maintain for a while. I was able to do some cool stuff and uh, get some things done. You know, I ended up having a second kid with this woman, mm-hmm. you know, um, the obviously because like i wasn't doing any work on myself you know those characteristics of an addict the self-seeking egotistical and self-centeredness mm. you know drove that woman you know crazy and and, and she left um with my kids and yeah. um it was horrible it's just a lot of carnage and wreckage even this what is me not even using i was probably 22 yeah and i wasn't even using and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm just still acting like a reckless you know addict you know and uh yeah untreated untreated alcoholism untreated addiction right. you know what i mean right. we, so we, underlined we, yeah we still act out all that we just don't have a drug in us. Like, i i ran around here for mm-hmm. almost eight years like that mm-hmm. do yeah. yeah but do you think it's possible that uh the the drinking and and the drugs from early age you know stopped you from maturing right absolutely you know so then oh, when yeah. you're sober i mean you're still acting like you're you still were 15 yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah you know and, and my character defects show me that i'm still 15 at heart you know i uh did this for a while and like you know my sponsor always tells me too like an you know an addict a clean addict not working the steps can be more dangerous than an active addict out there using right because i can Ooh. screw my life up clean oh if you I'm can not. cause serious damage <laughs> Yeah, to others oh, yeah. too. Trust Believe me, yeah. me, I'm doing I, it. Yeah. I know all about it. So, like, you know, she ended up taking off, and I was, uh, you know, obviously character defects. I found another woman, and we were uh, on our way to my mother's house. My mother lived in Shirley, and um, we were driving up from Saugus, and we were on 93, going up uh, 93, going over to 495 to cut out to that part of the uh, world. And uh, I got hit by, like, a drunk driver on 93 and i was in an explorer and my truck flipped over while my hand was outside the window while i was smoking a cigarette Mm. and we went three lanes across the highway and my hand was mangled and destroyed you know that day that car accident took my left hand but the prescription pad and the pills that that doctor wrote oh yeah that took my life oh destroyed my hand you know and um for years like reconstructive surgery Everything under the sun, Oxycontin, 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 Oxycontin. That okay, was just so that's, Oxycodone. That's where the, where the opiates That's came. when I got the bite, yeah. That's yeah. when it, you know, it really started to use to live and live to use. The job went, the dog went, the car went, the kids but, but went. But it all, it all started with trying to manage pain of an accident. Of an accident, but. Yeah. Now, now you're how far removed from it started anything. off as a dependency physically to a full blown addiction. Right. So, but you were using it to to treat pain in your hand, right. and then before you know it, it's like you don't have it, and you're like, "Whoa, what the, what the fuck is going Listen, on?" Listen, I was me? at I was at uh, Visible Ink Tattoo one day. I was getting a, a tattoo on my chest done, and the chick I was with was like, "Why are you having trouble sitting through this tattoo?" And I'm like, "I don't know." She's like, "Have you took taken your pills?" Like, now I haven't taken my pills. I worked a 12-hour shift. I took them last night. But she was like, you're getting dope sick. I'm like, I'm dope what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same thing. I had to leave the tattoo. I had to go home. Yeah. I had to take the pills. I had to come back and get the tattoo finished to get off E. 
Yeah. And that's yeah. what I realized. This was years ago. That's when I realized what dope sickness really, really yep. was. It's, oh, my God. It was unreal. You remember the, do you ever get, like, the feeling, like, electricity electricity's shooting through you, and you can't, like, you know, you, you're sitting there. Oh, yeah, that's usually around day two. Sweat, <laughs> and then the electricity starts. You, like, you can't sit still for a second, and then you're back down there. And, oh, my God. Yeah. It's terrible. It, so there's nothing terrible. Where I, don't, I don't wish it on my worst enemy. You know, oh, and, you know it's just, um, it's miserable, and it's always the same yeah. thing. I get the sniffles. I'm calling my guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could yep. never sit through anything. That's right. You know, and this went on for years. I was ripping and running through Charlestown, some of Everett, all through Malden. I was just going hard, doing mm-hmm. my thing, using to live and living to use. And, you know, it's the same story everybody has. Homelessness, penniless, jobless, you know, yeah. um, court case, court case, court case. And then, like, I remember at one point, I didn't know what a detox was. I didn't know what a holding was. I didn't know what AA or NA was. I didn't know any of these things because, like, when I was coming up in school, they weren't talking about these things. You know, they right. weren't talking about the continuing care in Massachusetts or what was out there for families, what resources. Some of these nonprofits didn't exist back then. Oh, a lot of the stuff yeah. didn't exist. There was such a stigma back then. I was afraid to tell anybody, and I'm, I'm not even a child, but I'm still afraid to tell people yeah. that I was suffering because of the pills that the doctor gave me, yep. which quickly led to IV heroin use, which, you know, eventually when you which, lose Which is street, basic economics because you much. can't afford the pills no more. Absolutely. Yeah, the I mean, pills aren't even out there anymore. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's unreal. And then, um, you know, the heroin stops working at some point. You know, now you're substituting the coke and the crack to, you know, anything, get a high. Anything yeah, to yeah. feel just, like you, you, just so you don't feel the way that you feel. Right. Inside. You know, yeah. then yeah. we get these great ideas. Well, if I just shoot coke, I'm going to come off the, co- uh, the, the heroin. Yeah. And, that's and what that, that was an idea I had. I was like, I'm just going to smoke crack. That's now. it. That's it. I'm going to take it smoke easy. Smoke like a broken you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be clean in two weeks. Yeah. Here I am. Uh, you know. Brilliant. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, Suboxone comes into the picture or methadone comes into the picture. And, right. And, right. I'll never forget. I remember when Suboxone first started hitting the streets like that, you know, back when, like, and, and I, I, I shot it too soon, got viciously sick. You know what I mean? I yeah. thought I was dying. And um, that's like, Heaven forbid, cotton fever. Oh, Jesus. They gave me Suboxone in detox uh, at, um, uh, what's the one up by the Arbor, uh, Arboretum? Oh, um, Faulkner? Faulkner. Yeah, I was yeah. in Faulkner, and I was high as a motherfucker. I, was, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to go to any meetings. I, 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 like, I, got, I got sober before <laughs> it was, like, really out there. I don't even, I've never yeah. taken one. I don't, I, and I, I had never I heard of it. And pray. That I never do. Slip the thing under your tongue, the sublingual. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know, I did this for a long time, and um, it was the same thing. It was always my best thinking brought me back to the same friggin' places. Yeah. And, like, you know, I remember not hearing these words, detox, halfway house, holding, or anything like that until, Mm -hmm. you know, there was this, uh, a friend of my ex-girlfriend's decided she was going to go away, and and she started calling the girl I was dating at the time, my running partner, and saying these things. I'm in detox. I'm in a holding. And I'm in a halfway house. Right, right. And now I'm like in full-blown active addiction. And I'm like, oh, maybe I need to take a, you know, I knew how bad this girl was. And then I see her, you know, a couple months later and she's, you know, becoming herself again. And like now she's, you know, reach one, teach one and telling me what's yep. going on. Dragging me to a Narcotics Anonymous mean high mm-hmm. on angel dust. Mm-hmm. You know, and like she got <sighs> herself clean. I'm actually going to that girl's celebration tonight. She's celebrating six years. Nice. You know, she brought me to my first NA meeting, you know. and um, That's great. If it wasn't for that girl doing what she had to do to get herself right, I would never have known how to do it myself. Right. And like right. that's the power of this recovery. Yeah. Piece, you know what I mean? It one it it can only come from one addict to another. Right. You know, right. like your family can beg and plead that's and it. pray and, and sit there and, and cry. 
But until you see someone that you know how they did it, that's it. You know how they ran. You know how they used. And it's like fuck. I, I was do just it, like them. Yeah, absolutely. And look at it? them now. Something emotional. I get goosebumps appeals, talking about that shit. Emotional appeals seldom. Oh, frothy emotional frothy appeal. appeal. Yeah. Both emotional yeah. appeals seldom yeah. sufficed. So I started doing the detox run after that. You know, uh, primarily mm. Dimmick detox and Roxbury because I'm always that sick. Dimmick. Always had a always. bed. And it was filthy and disgusting. Yep, there's lots of roaches. and yeah. It worked for me. That exactly. was my favorite place in the whole world. Like, the extra snacks. They used to have them raisins. Like, Dimmick was my spot. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it was. It was my spot. And then I'd be getting in behavior issues. I'm getting discharged for smoking in my room. I'm getting mm. discharged mm. for getting caught doing unethical things in the bathroom with, you know, other genders and stuff. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, if you look good and you came into detox and you had Trying EBT, to fix feelings, yeah, bro. if you had an EBT card, Section 8, I was leaving with you until you realized I Tomorrow's was dead Tomorrow's the first. Weight. We're <laughs> out of here. Then Tomorrow's the first. Let's go. Then they realize I'm dead weight and have no hustle, and then I'm homeless back in <laughs> detox again. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, detoxes and everything stop filling up around, like, the 19th, yeah. 20th. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You can't find a bed around that time. And then, you know, come right. the first, you call it detox. Fuck. So I was in and out of these detoxes for years. You know, I did the high point thing. I did <clears> the, <throat> the Dimmick thing. I did the Danvis cab thing, Boston cab thing. You know, I, I've been bouncing around to these places. You know, I do the Brockton high point CSS and then try to get into uh, different halfway houses. Yep. I was at the Brockton Salvation Army for three days, shot up in the bathroom and was high in a meeting and they threw me out in the yep. streets. Yep. That's actually where I was. Uh, I ran into that, that uh, Casey. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got kicked out of the Brockton Salvation Army, and he, you know, he was an active addiction. I was an active addiction. Yep. He actually stopped me. It's funny. I've seen him tonight. He stopped yeah. me when I was in an overdose. Man, yeah. saved my life. I, you know? I, I, that's where I ran was Brockton. And uh, if you were at the Salvation Army, you know that that big white house over to the left, if you're looking at the door, yeah. I used to stay over there. Okay. And the dudes from Salvation Army would come Little over pie. to me yeah. and bring me, like, hands full of ones. And yep. it's like, come on, man. You can't stop and change. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about treatment halfway house, like you said. Only time I ever heard halfway house was someone that was on parole. Right. You know, I didn't no, even know what it was. And that's they're buying. The, that's the problem. They're buying heroin for right. me. I didn't know what a halfway house was. Yeah. So I went through this whole process, man, and it never worked for me, you know, because my best thinking always brought me right back to the same places. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Dimmick. You mm. know what I mean? That's <laughs> what it boiled down to. Yeah. Dimmick. Yep. Finally, my last time through Dimmick, like, I don't know what it was. I'm a firm believer, like, every detox that I've been through, there were people that were in recovery there. Right. That would right. implant, like, a mustard seed in my brain. Right. right. And they would give me some sort of piece of information that I'd take with me, whether I was AMA in, whether I was running off with a female. Right. I would take that information with me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the piece of information from that program that saved my life and brought me back through the doors. And, and when, it, when it was necessary and when it was time... All of those little pieces of information Painted and all those fragments picture. came together. That's right. And it was like, boom. Yeah. It was like yeah. that. So I'm in the Dimmick Detox. I'm in room eight. I'm on my hands and knees praying for everything that I have Anybody today. Anybody commenting on the sound too loud on Facebook? Because we're, we're peeking uh, out on those two, so. both those solos. Maybe we could turn the... Uh, I'm not sure yeah, which one it is. He's not having a problem I'm staying next to the mic. So I'll turn it down with us. All right, cool. So like all those, those small little... Um, you know, things that people were telling me, like I'm in the room eight and Dimmick, like on my hands and knees praying for everything that I have today. Right. You know, and then like by the grace of God, like they told me like, Rob, we're not going to like put you in a TSS. You don't have to hold on to your chick because my knuckles are turning white. You yeah, know what right, I mean? right. They're like, we're yeah, going to put yeah, you yeah. right over at the John Flowers Recovery Home. They're like, it's a tough program in Roxbury. 
I'm like, send it. You know. Yeah. So now here I am, the only white kid in Roxbury, trying to get clean in a demographic that was different from me. Yes. But like, I needed that. Yeah. Like absolutely. I'm in a I'm in a male halfway house with 24 other dudes. Finally, some other people started coming in, and we started doing this thing together. But like, I learned how important it was for me to raise my hand and ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because yeah, yeah. like right. what I'm going through and what I'm suffering from, chances are somebody from some age, race, creed, whatever, has gone through the same thing exactly. and can offer me some sort of advice how to get through it clean. Mm-hmm. Do you remember so the first time you did it? What, raise my hand and ask yeah. for help? Absolutely. It was actually in that Brockton Motel uh, Elm Court. Oh. Uh, that's where I was staying when I met uh, Keon. And, um, you know, I remember there was an NA meeting downstairs, and I, I went down to that NA meeting. They were going to knock me on the Wednesday meeting because I was like, you know, snorkeling in my Cheerios. Yeah. And then when I went back <laughs> on the Friday meeting, you know, I raised my hand and was like, I need out of here. And that was the time that they got me right to the, to the Dimmick Detox for my last time. And mm. I raised my hand in those three words, I need help. Save yeah. my life. Yep. You know? Desperation. And, um, Cry that's desperation. That's it. gift of desperation. Yeah. And, um, you know, so here I am at this halfway house. You know, here I am linking up with other people who are like me, building a recovery network, building a network of other people trying to do the same thing I'm doing. Yeah. And I started to watch the people I surrounded myself with and how they moved. And I started to, you know, it's real easy for addicts. We figure out who's bullshit and who's not. You know what I mean? <laughs> you think? We know who's Serious. doing the right That's thing. That's what the program like that. we went to was all based on. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I wasn't like that. I wasn't that addict that had a, uh, I didn't have family backing me up. My mom was all the way out in Florida at this point. She yep. left the state because of my active addiction. You know, yeah, and, yeah. like. That's, that's how I was. I got to. I heard I heard turnabout was crazy. Yeah. Okay, I need to go there. I had nobody. I hadn't talked to my brother in years. He found out that I was there. He came in. He was like, "You got one shot." He's yeah. like, "You do this, you fuck up. We, I can't talk to you no more." And that that was it. Yeah, that, I had nobody. Yeah. You know, I have you have you reconciled with your mother since then? I'll get into all that. I, I yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, um, you know, I got clean, and things kind of took off for me. You know, Dimmick, they hired me when I was. Six months clean as a recovery specialist. And, you know, then I was promoted to help with the aftercare case management and get clients into the next stop after detox. And, um, you know, I went into a sober house over in East Boston for a little bit and things just kind of came together for me. Um, My recovery um, started to get based on me helping other people. Um, Right. You know, I got high with everybody. You know what I mean? So now everybody's clean. So you got that. Yeah. You got high with the help of everybody. Why can't you, you know? That's what it was, you know, and like I found, you know, I, I went to Narcotics Anonymous for myself because I needed a fellowship. I needed to start doing some work on myself. I needed to start applying some of these things that I was hearing, you know, um, that were going to save my life. And I needed some guidance. So I took all the suggestions. You know, I was told years ago that the suggestions were free. The only one I'm going to pay for is the one I don't take. Right. So I took them all. And I good. built this little um, little, little powerful network of, you know, some heavy hitters on my team, you know, just looking out for me and guiding me and because we need that man we right. need that community because you know like tom said earlier about the treatment center that we went through like it was basically about calling you on your shit right it's like yo right. you're you're fucking slipping dude that's it like pull you, up come on yeah. and that's what it was yeah. pull ups and push ups yeah, the place yeah. i was that was a tc too yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking and, and like we can't you can't have that shit no more you know what i mean like right. that's the shit that the that the addicts i know need right you know like if if I can get over on you, I'm gonna fucking do absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah, like that's absolutely. just that junkie mentality. Yeah, absolutely, that's just what we do. So yeah. like, I was blessed that the the recovery network I had. This is back in you know a few years ago when we when these people were doing this advocacy work where we were actually there were people that came before me that were like raising their hand and breaking the silence and like you know there were some powerful voices out there mm-hmm. you know. 
I learned really, really quickly that like I was suffering in silence because I was too afraid to ask for yep. help. And like, you know, I raised my hand in that meeting, part my cherry. Now I'm going to keep using my voice and being as loud as I possibly can yep. to help the next addict who's stuck in their parents' basement, not able to say I need help and they're going to die tonight. And that kind of took off and kind of went with it with the people that were, you know, doing the same thing I was doing. Right. And, um, you know, we were doing it through treatment, working and placing people in treatment and helping people in treatment and stuff like uh, that. Were you living in a sober house? So I was living at the sober house for a little while until, you know, I got the opportunity um, and we kind of figured out that why pay someone when we can open our own. So I kind of I kind of did that. Yeah, I um, opened up a 14-month bill sober house out in um, Lynn. Um <sighs> No, that was that part was, of my journey. That was fun. That was great. You had partners in that. We we did our thing, yeah. And you gotta um, have like good credit and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's different things. It's, it's really not the the bread and butter of what I do for my recovery. It's just mm. you know a safe place and yeah. um, you know it's just a fourteen guys helping the same thing. You know, raise your hand, ask for help, yep. unity type yep. of thing. But um, yeah, man. you know, I, I went with Dimmick for a long time. I did that, and um, you know, I ended up leaving Dimmick um, to work for a, a small Florida-based program. Um, they ended up closing their doors, and I uh, ended up signing with Sunrise Detox. Okay. Sunrise is out in Millbury. Um, we're a 39-bed uh, medical detox out there. It's beautiful. Um, it's not Co-ed? It, we do have a male units and, and female units, mm. so we take both genders. Um, it's just a great stay. It's a great But you experience. don't let them mix. We don't let them mix. Probably a good idea. That's probably yeah. a great idea. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I got clean, and, and like, I want to say, like, you know, getting clean was easy. It was the hottest but simplest thing I ever did in my life. Yeah, because of this, the fucking thing between your ears. Yeah, my you disease know? lives between the yeah. ears and talks to me in my own friggin' voice, bro. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, I always say that. That's it's, one it's, of the, it's the hardest thing I ever did. It's, but it's the simplest. You know, I just don't use no matter what. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? true. Yep. And then, but like, I remember, like, I would hear that, and old timers would tell me, like, don't use no matter what. And I'm like, how the fuck is this dude not? How, how are you going to tell me that? Like, I get the sniffles, I get a cold, I want to go get high, I get a toothache, I want to go get high. Right, yeah. right. You know, um, my recovery process has not been um, easy. It hasn't right. been, um, like, I want to say, like, you know, I have a, I have nice things, and I, I, I recovered some things in recovery that I didn't have before, but I lost some things, too. Um, yeah. On April 13th of last year, um, my mom, her boyfriend, brutally murdered her under the oh influence of alcohol. Yeah. Um, oh, so so I got a call that, um, on April 13th from an uncle asking me if I was sitting down, and I was like, just say it. You know what I mean? And he said, your mom's dead. And I said, okay. I said, well, what happened? He said, Barrett killed her. I said okay. So and was I, it? Was she still in Florida at this wow. time? She was in Bradenton, Florida. Yeah, she had she had left um, Massachusetts to get away from my active addiction, and um, she had actually left this guy. They had a fifteen year relationship, and mm. you know him and I had a very violent past between the two of us and yep. stuff like that. But at some point, I had to let go and let my mother do her own thing, you know. And yeah. um, you know, I, she had moved out to Florida. I was through my active addiction you know she had some back surgery she was like i need you to come out and take care of me i'm like mom my deal is not out there he's down here i can't get unemployed dope sick so she flew him back out to take care of her through the back surgery and he just kind of never left uh, um, yeah. you know i got to see my mother two years ago sometime around this time um i used to live in sarasota i went to a program in sarasota for yeah a we, she was right there she's right now flying to sarasota go right over to bradington and um yeah. you know she um Basically, you know, he picked up his drug of choice. He popped open that bottle and started drinking on his birthday. He had some. Uh, he had I hope some, he's in jail. Well, yeah, we we went through that too. But you know, he um, decided to pop open his bottle. 
He decided to drink. My mother came home from work to check on him for some reason during her lunch break. She never made it back to work that day. Uh, he caved her head in with a barbell, put her in a blanket, and left her in a chair in her carport of her home. And then he was picked up by the Bradenton police at a local bar around the corner from the house, drinking in the bottle. It was a big deal with my mother's brain matter on his pants and blood on her and his, her blood on his hands. So he got arrested. He went to jail. So like here I am trying to like, like I grew up really quickly at that point in time. Like, you know, everything that like my mom was like my rock. Like she was like, I don't want to say my running partner, but like she was my ride or die. Like if I was in a program, she'd send those 305 cigarettes down to the program. You know what I mean? She supported you. Yeah. She just wanted to see her kid clean. And and by the grace of God, I got to spend a week and a half with her. You know, the last time I was out there, the first time I was allowed to step foot in my mother's house, I Ooh. was clean and was able to pay for everything that whole week I was with her. And I know my mother was proud of me, you know, for, the, for what, I've, what I've, I've done with my life. Well, and uh, she was my biggest supporter. Her. Like, she, yeah. she had yeah. my T-shirts and everything. She just, she just loved what I was doing with my life. She was a proud mom. Yeah. And she would, like, give back, too, because, like, she was, like, my number one referral for other addicts mothers that are struggling because like they need a fellowship just like I do. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Because like my mom had to tell them like she was, she was just, she was a, she was, she was savage. She'd help as many mothers as she could start Facebook groups, things like that. And uh, that was a big thing too. the recovery community. The parents lost, you know, just when when I, just like I lost. And, um, you know, so the past year, you know, it was, uh, a lot of insecurities, fears, and doubts. It was everything possible. Grief mixed in with anger, mixed in with shame, mixed in with guilt. Yeah, mixed in yeah. With, well, this is just a year ago. This was just happened? a year ago. Yeah, last April 2018. Mm. And um, so we went out as things approached. You know, we um, it was a roller coaster this past year. Hottest year of my life, without a doubt. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and, uh, and had you not built the foundation that you have. I would have been. There'd have been a needle in my neck at the time about the call. It's funny how God works, like because, like I I I see now why I've built what I've been able to build in recovery. Mm. Because like I thought here I am helping all these people because I can facilitate. But at the end of the day, like the time came when I needed all those people. I can tell you right now, I did a GoFundMe for my mother's funerals. Right. And I can tell you, like, not a single family member donated and helped me out. I raised $4,000 just by families that I've helped. Like, mm. it all came back tenfold to me and made yeah. me grateful. So what we put out, we're going to get back. Right. And, like, right. that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned through this whole thing is the energy that I give out is the energy that I'm going to get back. And um, this whole year has been crazy. So back in July um, of this year, I had to fly out to Bradenton for a capital murder um, trial. So it was a jury of 12. We went out, I went out there. Um, this whole murder thing tore apart my family. So family members that, you know, listen, everybody gets crazy when it comes to, to when, when s- people die, do people become shit bags? Like yeah. My, uh, my blood I'm, relatives are shit bags. Trust, <laughs> trust and believe. I know exactly. I'm the black sheep heroin addict to the family. Everybody wants to be a shit bag until their kid's struggling yeah. with a needle yeah. in their neck. They call it, me up. It, right. You but, I mean? but you're, you're the one that has, probably done the grimiest shit but when it right. come to this you're the one only one that had some type of fucking sense that's it that, you know? and, and i see it all the time and it's not just addicts and alcoholics right. like uh, i work with a guy his his the people that are involved are addicts and alcoholics right. he's just a normal dude yeah. but like the this the his father-in-law died and all his sons want is the fucking money that's it they don't give a fuck about anything else like they never yeah. were there to help this this is a guy's father-in-law, right? And he has to take work off and go take care of him when these kids live these guys live in the fucking house with the guy. 
Yeah, you got to realize that, crazy. that money is, 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 is people are important. Money money's not. Yeah, important. absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I'm dealing with all this, you know, and we're out there and, you know, I'm, I'm facing my mother's killer, um, a man that I've known for 15 years that, you know, I, it, it just was unreal. And I, I just know that, like, you know, my mother was there. Like, I flew out on it. This trial started on Monday was jury selection. Tuesday was... You know, the medical examiner coming in, showing pictures of my mother and the crime scene and stuff like that. And, like, I flew out Tuesday morning. I was supposed to be in court by 9 o'clock. I took a real early flight. But, like, I hit every every barrier that I could face in an airport. I hit it. Mm. Lightning can't get my baggage. You know, I was delayed, delayed, delayed. Rent a car. Something went wrong. I had to take a lift all the way from Sarasota to Bradenton. By the time I got into Bradenton to my Airbnb, court was over. My mother didn't want me in that courtroom to see those things. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah. last time I was in a courtroom facing him, I went over the barrier and got kind of like in trouble and detained because I jumped after him and yeah, it was right, just wild. Right. And um, so like my mother intervened there and the yeah. next two days I got to hear the 911 call. I got to put together like, so like this whole 16 months of waiting, like I'm calling detectives in Florida. So what happened to my mother? Can you tell me what happened to my mother? No, Mr. Demio, we have to wait until the court. No, Mr. Demio. So 16 months, I couldn't put together what actually had happened to my mother. So being in this and, trial, yeah, I got was, it all. It all came out. 16 yeah. months of the freaking hamster wheel going, going, yeah. going. Yeah. Tunnel vision. I lost relationships. I, you know, I, my, my poor kid's mother, like, you know what I mean? Like I got a three-year-old, you know what I mean? I'm trying to rebuild a, it, it just was... I, I was just tunnel vision. Yeah. Anger. You, you, yeah. The, yeah. Justice. Your focus was on. Yeah. But, but, but you, you seem like you probably went through the grief process, right? I, I went through it a little bit. I feel still like I'm going. Yeah, denial. Anger. Rage, yeah. Acceptance. My thing was the, the anger, man. Like, I, I want justice for my mother. I want to know what happened to my mother. So, like, yeah. these past 16 months, it's just it was like a mini run itself. Like, my behaviors were off the hook. My, yeah. uh, I can't remember much, you know what I mean, because of the anger, the late nights, the nightmares, things like and that. All you went through, you didn't pick up. I did not use. No, I did you not. You do not have to use no, no matter fucking what. And now it's, that yeah. shit made sense. Now I fucking get it. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Now I get right. what those old timers are talking yeah. about because, like, I don't know what it was, and I still don't know. I'm just, I, I call it luck at this point, but I know it's my God. You know what I mean? That yeah, I it's believe grace. in my, it's yeah, grace. Like, grace. faith ain't faith until it's tested. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, What's it called? I, um, you know, we got a, a guilty verdict. You know, I remember, you know, I had a little outburst in the courtroom when they said guilty of capital murder one. Um, I had to leave the courtroom and I dropped to my knees and I started crying. The domestic violence advocate came out and picked me up off the floor. I said, he's never coming out right. And she said, no. And I let out a breath. It was like the first breath that I had uh, let out in 16 mm, months. Right. I was at peace. You know what I mean? And like it all kind of came together. There's that more will be revealed peace. Right. Like I started to see what I wanted out of life. My priorities started to fall in place that day at that time. Yeah, because I'm fair to say it. the day that you got that phone call, everything that you had in place was like, boop, hit the pause button. Right. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. you can't yeah, focus on anything other case. than, you know, that trauma. Once again, trauma. Right. You know, like Big now, you, now you, you suffer an even even worse trauma. Right. And. But you, you should know. be damn proud of yourself too. Uh, you know, I know that we don't do this without uh, God and uh, and our and our fellow alcoholics and all that stuff. But you should be proud of yourself. Because I couldn't you went have gone through, through this without my network, without my sponsor, yeah. without the people, my my family. I, I could, you know, the, the there are people out there that God works through. I'm a Absolutely. firm believer, you know, and like 
they really stepped up, you know, and they really came through for me. And and now, like, you know, I look back, you know, I got the justice for my mother and, you know, I, I look at my career and what I'm doing with my life and the people that I'm, I'm able to help because, like, people help me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been huge, you know. It, it's been like a, it's just like a huge epiphany. And, um, you know, understanding what it means not to use no matter what. Understanding that, like, no matter how bad life gets, no matter what adversity, whatever yeah. trial or tribulation that I'm faced with, I, I know that, like, using is not an option. I know that, you know, the disease dies in the light of exposure. So, like, I know, like, if I'm feeling something inside, I got to raise my hand yeah, and I got to talk, gotta talk it, about it. And I got to expose the, the, the disease that's inside me yep. and get it out. And um, I, I emotionally throw up on, you know, people's phones, you know, some yeah. people that aren't even recovering. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and like, you, you, you got to become vulnerable to... to I don't need to. I don't need to talk to Sam Sullivan from High Point. You know, I, I, I throw up in her ear constantly. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, and it just occurred to me, and I, I don't know if I should even bring this up because it's probably way too early. But uh, you know, you have a new resentment on your list. Which resentment is that? This dude. Oh, the mother. that that see, there's where I'm torn. You know, um, you will be for a long time. I I'm imagine. torn with that because, like, you know, not for nothing. Like when he was, there was some issues with him calling my mother's best friend, the woman that she that found her dead, and he'd call her cell phone because they were like a little tiny little crew up there yeah, in Florida. Yep. And like I remember being out there for the first court date, and like I picked up her phone and I had a conversation with this man. And I remember the, the the district attorney and all them prosecutors. They listened to the phone calls while they're in court, oh, and they, they were, were probably like, what the. They, they were very impressed with the way I handled this because I sat there and I'm like, what's up, buddy? I'm like, it's over. I'm like, you know what? Like, he's like, no, nah, I didn't do it. I'm like, bro. I'm like, if there's anybody in the world who understands what happened, it's me. You picked up your drug of choice. How many times did I take benzos and wake up in a jail cell waiting right, for them to right, tell me I killed right. somebody? So now, like, I don't think he does, knew what does he, he was doing when he did it. That's what right. I was just going to say. Does he know? Does he remember? That's I something... Mean, Blackout. Who knows if you'll Who ever knows? get the truth? Black- and yeah, it doesn't totally matter at this been point. Blacked out and wake up in a, in, with the so. you, you hear that shit all the time. Man. They wouldn't tell me what happened to my mother. My my bedroom looked like a freaking episode of Law and Order because I'm trying to figure it out myself. Because I'm an addict. I want to know why, why, why the unknown. I'm yeah, scared yeah, of it. I want yeah. to know. I need Overthinker. to know. Overthinker. Yeah, obsessive. Right. But like, how many times did I wake up in a jail cell? On benzos, waiting for them to tell me I did something horrific when I took a sh- shit behind a dumpster. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Fuck it. Mind erases. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So, like, uh, I get it. And, like, that's the other side of things. Uh, and I talk about it. But, like, you know what? I, that one more time ended my mother's life and ended his life. Right. That yeah, one right. more drink you take tonight could kill the right family there. when you're driving home from wherever the hell you are. That's it. Right. And it'll, it'll and end you up we're in We're not just bars. talking about that one shot of heroin's going to kill you. That next drink could kill somebody else. And everything that has happened in your life culminated up to this that's one it. point. That's that one point. One point. One decision. One decision. One decision yeah. away from being in a cage the rest of your life. But, and it, having but also, nobody even, you know now in your life anymore. Even to s- make that phone call. Even yeah. to, you know what I mean? Because fair to say there was some anger there, but I'm sure that that like, helped with some type of closure as well. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I know how you feel. I know. That is, that is amazing, yeah. yeah. It was... Um, it was it was it was wild and like just to be able to look at it that way to say that like that one more it's it's not just about my mother's death but like there's another mother out there that lost her son 
Yeah. He's mm. locked up for the rest of his life, yep. never coming out like yep. a caged animal. And possibly you know? kids yep. that lost a father. You're like, I don't know. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, most of the, they call a spade a spade at this yeah. point. The man wasn't a very good man to begin with. Right. So, you know, but like at the end of the day, like it goes both ways. Like, and I think about it now, like that one more, like it just, it doesn't end there. Mm. Like it's not going to, not going to end my life. Maybe not, but it's going to end something, you know? And, right. yeah. and we talk about it like that. It's, it's just wild. It blows my mind. And, um, this recovery piece is very, um, very powerful because like it allows me, like I know when I started doing, I'm an A guy, mm. I started doing the step work and like I fully believe that steps one through seven are what saved my life through my mother's murder. Like, you know, admitting I was powerless over my life and becomes unmanageable, you know, I was able to, you know, pray for, you know, to get some serenity mm. and, and, you know, I was able to turn my will and my life over. Will and your life, that's you know, a good, that's has a, good. a huge one, right? And then I'm able to do yeah. like a, a fifth step. I'm able to see myself and, you know, see my exact right. natures of the wrongs that I'm doing. You know, I did a fourth step and people that do the fourth step and want to point the finger and blame everybody else, wait till you hit that fifth step. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. It's going to be about <laughs> you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like the sixth and seventh, like, you know, seeing myself on a piece of paper, my character defects, seeing the shortcomings of my, shortcomings of my defects and where it's going to get me. You know, if I didn't do all that work before this happened, mm. I'd be a freaking mess. Right, you right. You know, because like I know when I'm about to act out on defect. I know when I'm walking into a meeting and damn, you look good. Let's go home. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know when I'm acting out on a defect because I saw it on paper. Right. And I know, right. like, my sponsor told me years ago that, like, you're going to pay for every decision you make in recovery. Yeah, you can do whatever yeah. you want right. as long as you, you want to pay the consequence. You really can. You can do anything. It's unreal. But you have to be willing to take right. the heat for whatever the fuck you did. Eh. That's you, right. know? you know, and I tell my guys all the time, it's like, listen, you want to keep running around chasing these girls? Get ready to get a penicillin shot in the ass. Yeah. It's just or what it every, is. It's a shortcoming for your actions. I say, what I would say is, listen, I don't care who, who you are, what... What type of person you are, anytime two people lay down, someone's getting up with feelings. I don't know if it's going to be you or her or if it's bad or good. There's going to be feelings. So you can, you can say all you want. Oh, no, no. It's just a hookup. Bullshit, motherfucker. You're human. It ain't a hookup. Right. You know? yeah. You're trying to you're trying to. But my you know, point feel is, is if I didn't do this work, right, yeah. I got stuck on the eighth step because now I got to make a list of amends. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, right. who did I hurt the most when, you know, I was out there ripping and running? It all came back to mom. <coughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, so I stopped that for about 16 months. I was kind of going rogue and not doing step work. My sponsor would catch wreck mm -hmm. and throw that, those small jabs at me and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm presently working an eighth step now, you know, and I'm, I'm able to really see that, like, over the past 16 months of not doing step work, I was doing that living amends piece where, like, mm. I was not just, you know, living right, but I'm, like, out there getting justice for my mom and making amends and helping as many people as I can. Like, I don't feel there's anyone stronger than the mother of an addict at this point. And, like, I'm doing a lot of work giving back to, you know, family members who yeah. are struggling. Yeah. You know, I'm now with Sunrise Detox as their business development representative, and I'm able to, you know, really give back to the community more than I could before. You know, we're um, involved in all these events that are coming up in the recovery community yep. over the next couple of weeks, over the next month. You know, September's recovery month. We got that coming up. Yeah, this August is Overdose Awareness Month. Right. So and we've, I've, you know, we just, we all were, you know, Derek Cook, Matt Gannon, we were all at the, the Holbrook yeah. Vigil speaking and having yeah. a great time raising Holbrook awareness. Yeah. Like, oh, there yeah. are some amazing people out there with such strong voices you know 
there's some moms out there, Holbrook kids, and just moms raising awareness yep. and, and making noise because nothing's going to cool. change if we're not talking about it. Yeah. And the right. longer we stay change. silent, people uh, but, are dying. That's right. And it's not going to change with a small amount of people. It's going to change with no, a big amount right. of people. Absolutely. We're going to put a dent in this fucking thing. Alone I can't. Together we can. And we can yeah, change it. things out here. And, you know, you look at the people that came before me doing this work. You know, you've got Pat Crone and Matt Gannam, some of these... You know, older guys that have been doing this a long yep. time, you know, yep. they, they've set the stage. They've set the tone, you know. And Sunrise Detox is really allowing me to um, really get involved hand-to-hand with the families, the moms, the mm. dads, the brothers, the sisters. You know, we offer a phenomenal detox experience, you know, with comfort and safety and care. You know, we detox yep. with dignity and um you know, we really um, we set the bar when it comes down to a detox, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, it's just great how actively involved we are in the community at this point. You know, we're brand new in the state. We've been only open about eight, nine months. Um, November will be a year. We've got um, other locations across the coast that yep. we also have. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this a long time. And we kind of got this detox thing down to a science. You know, one of the, the coolest things when I uh, started with Sunrise and I was getting my tour, you know when you're in detox and you got to go up to the nurse's station and medline and stuff like yeah. that? You know yeah. when you're at the um, Texas Roadhouse and you got to wait for your table? Yeah. And they give you that little vibrating thing? So you get your vitals done at Sunrise, you get hit with one of those table waiting things, you go back to the room <laughs> and wait for it to vibrate. Oh, no. It's Wait. amazing. It vibrates. You can come out of your bed. You can walk yeah. up to the bed line. You can see that our nurses are so phenomenal. You don't, so you don't got to sit there and be like, right. You, you Yo, hurry up and take that fucking Well, shit. I don't want them to know I'm going up to get a Valtrex. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or, so but, like, so, but now does it make it easier to sit in your room right. and do push-ups to get your blood pressure up? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like your ass yeah, right. Your blood pressure going. I got it. But we I really, gotta, we do. I seem fucked up so I can get more meds. We really do what we, we can. Like, that's innovative. It, it's, mm. you know, it's allowing privacy. It's allowing people to have dignity in, in what they're doing. You, you know, guys like, have a big uh, referral uh, process where you send people off to further treatment we, we pride ourselves on further treatment we, yeah. we understand um the need and the necessity to separate from our drug of choice for long periods of time yeah we, man, that just doesn't the medical detox is the huge. first step in the continuum of care yeah and we want to see everybody get to their next stop safely and appropriately yeah we um work with all the programs all over the state and, which you know, you know new england there isn't enough of absolutely i don't, we, I don't think we'll says. ever have enough beds no i really don't we look at things like this whole high point situation that's going on do you know how hot it is to get a detox bed in the state of massachusetts right now oh yeah i've I been calling and you know normally i can't remember the last time i call a uh, an intake line usually i'm texting a snapchat to get a bed or through facebook and yes you know it's still it doesn't matter there's just when I mean, one luckily brockton did reopen yeah um but the castle is closed right so now there's six I think 16 beds in the state of Massachusetts for adolescents. Right. When I came in, uh, when I met you, mm. I, was, I wasn't I was detoxed. Yeah. I was sick. Remember? Oh, that? yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We go, we go out to play softball. He's got this vest on. He pulls, puts his hand in the pocket, pulls it out. It's like 50 empty dope bags, and he's freaking out. He's like, oh, what the fuck do I do? I'm like, throw him in the trash, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's go play softball. He's yeah, fucking kinking still. That's the yeah. thing, you know. But, you know, just something simple is like one program like High Point with the amount of beds they have shutting down has backlogged the uh, continuum and other detoxes and stuff like that. It's just very, very difficult. I, yeah. We're and, not going to have enough beds. And I want to know, like, what the, f- what, what the fuck happened. I don't. I, that's you know what I mean. Like you know, it's just uh, so so that we can prevent it from happening just, further and just stop other it, get the beds back open and available yeah. for people because there are addicts dying on the streets right exactly. now. Exactly, there are people literally calling detox lines, being told no, we don't have a bed. 
Yeah. I got to go get more, and that next one's going to kill exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah, that's the exactly. thing about detox is it, it'll, it'll allow you to not go get that next one for at least another week, and that next one might be the one that gets you. Yeah. You know, we don't so. understand as addicts that, you know, the longer we stay away from our drug of choice, you know, I always thought that I could pick up where I left off, so I'd leave detox mm. after seven days thinking I can do that Very nice, big, important. juicy brown shot in my neck. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm getting seven vials of Narcane bringing me back. And, you know? and the shit nowadays... Yeah. People are right. buying buying a thirty, right. and, it, and it ain't a thirty. The compressed with fentanyl, yeah. absolutely. Kids are overdosing all the time, thinking they get, and they're not even trying to get thirty; they're trying to get Xanax. Yeah, yeah, Xanax I saw that the other day on Facebook. Up. That happened you know, to me, and and uh, and I was I was good. I was good for like a month, right? Just uh, I kicked by myself, and I was good for a month, and I showed up at a to uh, speculate, do some uh, work. They they grabbed me, and, and I, I ran into a dude who I used to score with and we went down and I just did it just like I always did same old thing same bag same everything mm-hmm. yeah you know what I mean and I was just I remember hitting and that's it and I woke up in the hospital dude saved my life dude mm-hmm. dragged me to the you know the emergency room and the Narcan yeah. you know that that's what Keon did to me I just seen him out here yeah yeah. brought yeah. me back from OD and right in the streets of Brockton walking up Needle Park you know but it's a tiny 20 bag of fentanyl it's out be- with a light but this was this was dope it wasn't fentanyl back then but it was but it was I didn't have any tolerance. Yeah, no tolerance at all. But you, we, as addicts, we don't think like that. Yeah, you just you know think I mean? it's oh, like, oh, this is going to get really fucking high now. Thing. It's like going out. It's like you know, <clears throat> going out and having uh, a few drinks. Okay, well that's one thing, right? If you yeah. have no tolerance. You get a few drinks and you get behind the wheel and you're going to kill somebody. Yeah. See, like I, I'm, yourself. I'm, I was never really the alcoholic. Like I could always have a couple drinks, but like every time, like. Every time I try to get clean, I could think like I could drink. Like I remember when I first moved to my first sober house ever. Mm. Like that same girl who got me to the NA meeting, who's mm. celebrating tonight. Like I had to call her and say, "Hey, listen, my drug of choice is heroin. Does that mean I can drink on the weekends?" Mm. Like I didn't understand how <laughs> yeah. it works. Like I, I never had a problem drinking. Yep. It took mm. trial and error, trial and error. Like people get frustrated with us because it's like our fifteenth time in detox. Right. But like you know, like it's trial and error. You yep. know, and it's like it took me a while to realize that I'm allergic to alcohol. I break out in track marks and hand. Exactly. It's not the alcohol that does it. It's the mind frame. It's the thinking. You know, alcohol is a drug. Period. Is what I've been told. Yeah, it's a thinking disease. What is it about alcohol that makes it not a drug? You know what I mean? I don't absolutely one hundred percent because it's liquid. No, Uh, because it's legal. No, Uh, it's absolutely one hundred percent a drug. Yeah, it's unreal. You know, we um. You know, I can't do it. I, I know I can't put any mood of mine on some substance in my body. If yeah, I put one in me, it's, it's not, like not it, it puts me on this like vicious ride. And the jails, the institution, and the death don't scam me. It's when's the ride going to end? Yeah, you know what I mean. That, where is it going to end? Of that of that addiction that takes yeah. me out of me. You know, if you think if you think you're not an addict or an alcoholic, go ahead and pick up and tell me when you're going to stop. Right. <laughs> Let me know. Can yeah. you just tell me that? If if you can tell me when you're going to stop using, then. You know, maybe you can, maybe you got this. Yeah, maybe you know? you're not an alcoholic. You know, I see people that say they can use in safety too, and, and they think that they can yeah. just, it's just, the, the things that we think as addicts, like our best thinking, like really brings us right back to the same places. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. You know, we think we can get away with it one more time. I remember like the sickest thinking is, is like so-and-so overdosed, overdosed off so-and-so stuff. Well, yep. now we got to go yep. see so-and-so <laughs> yeah. to get the stuff. Exactly. Because, oh, yeah. Well, they're not a good heroin addict like I am. Yeah, I'm, better, I'm a they, better junkie than I'm, them. I'm yeah. better than them. You know, yeah. let, me, let me try. You I'll know. know how to shoot that dope. Right? <laughs> I'll survive so that. Up. His tolerance was too low. That's, that's how... F- 
That's how Superman. fucked up I was. Like, I'm making fun of the people going into the homeless shelter when I'm sitting on a wall across from the homeless shelter. Right. Homeless. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right up the not street, right up the the street from that house. Out of spite. I'm not sleeping in a homeless shelter. Yeah. 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 I'm better than I'm, them. I'm, I'm better sleeping. than them. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll sleep street. in a fucking stolen car, abandoned right. house. Absolutely. A, an abandoned minium. Yeah, right. You know? it's, just, it's just what it is, though. You know, it gets... The pride and ego of... It don't matter how, how fucked up your situation is, the pride and the ego of an addict... Just fucking even insane. in recovery, it still yeah, gets me. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I just want to touch on, on the fact that that uh, you know there is a lot of shit that's terrible uh, and, and evil, but I tell you what, since I've been sober, I've been able to build a life for myself that is second to none. Yeah, and there is so much you can become and you can enjoy. And it's so rewarding. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. I, I I love myself today, and there was no, there's no way. That I would want to go back to that, you know. Yeah. It just—it's not even the question. And and I have a healthy respect for the fact that the strength of the addiction to change my point of view, and uh, uh, you know, but 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 it's a beautiful life. Yeah, Absolutely. you know what he, I mean. And you know, shit is still tough sometimes, man. It sucks. Sure, it's still tough. Oh yeah, like shit's tough. Yeah, <laughs> like but you can deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Like. You know, life isn't easy for me right now. You know what I mean? But it is what it is, and I'm going to be okay. I know that. There's nothing you know? tougher than dealing with life because you still got to deal with life and also hating yourself and having no self-respect. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And having, to go, and having to go somewhere to prevent yourself from being sick every day, too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. ripping and running. And, you know, and, and like when, a long time ago, there wasn't all the resources and stuff that there are now, like you talking about the families. Mm. Like, you know, that's why we, we do this. You know what I mean? Mm. Like... It, some mom can can click on something and be like, "Oh, what's this?" You know what I mean? Like, I said it all. I say it all the time. It's 2019, and people still don't know how to fucking get sober and and recover. You know, or or, or no, a mom no. doesn't know what to do if she finds like some pills in her in her kid's pocket, or they don't I mean? know what their kid is going through, or their or their parents are yeah. going through. You know, they don't understand it. Yeah, now you got like fault, you got like family restored. Who, Look at all these generations going back. It was always hush, hush, don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, oh, you know, Uncle Jim's drinking problem. Hush, yeah. hush, don't talk about so it. So embarrassing. It right? was and embarrassing, no. shameful, guilty things like that. And I, I, and I, I stigma. I understand the whole an- anonymity thing, and and there's like, there's a use for it. For for Absolutely. me, for me, it's like you know the whole anonymity thing. It's like you know you're in a meeting, you hear someone say something, you know you're anonymous, so that. You don't fucking go out there and tell people what this motherfucker's doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, also the guy who's using and feels hopeless and doesn't want everybody to know that he's using right. can see that, oh, this is anonymous, so I can go in there and nobody's going to know that I right. was in there. Yeah, you know? And, but and, like, you know, it allows them to do that, to, to take to, that step. To shatter that stigma, like, you know, I've said it before, I recover out loud so that others don't have to suffer in silence. Right. Like, I, I, I put it all out there on my page. Like, I don't care... You know, people want to talk shit. They can talk shit all they want. Like, right. if if one person you know can get sober because of shit I put up or whatever, then it's all for it's worth it to me. That's just how you I know? look at it. Vision yeah, hope. You know, it's just if I can do it, they can do it. You know, and, and if you're out there and you're ripping and running and you and you don't want to lose uh, the respect of the people you think you still have respect for from, mm. uh, you know. 12-step meetings are still anonymous. Yeah, no one's going to call you out. Your name's going to not going to show up in the paper. You can go there and check it out. Yep, and absolutely. See. 
You know what I mean? I remember, you know, like with all this stuff that went on, like with the childhood trauma and mm. the substance abuse and mm. being no penniless and jobless under the Tobin Bridge with a needle in my neck, like cussing my God out, like why me? Can't mm. figure it out, like why am I have to endure yeah. all this? And then like I get it. You know what I mean? Like I get clean, get a couple years clean, see what I'm doing with myself. I start to see, you know, clients coming back year, two years clean, having children, living, you know, their best lives. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's why. You know, I get it. Like, because like if I can get clean, everybody else can too. You know what I mean? And like I didn't know when I when I started getting high from the Percocet to the heroin, like I didn't know how to find a vein. I didn't know how to draw up heroin. I didn't know how to burn my choy. Someone taught me how to do that. Yeah. So when I didn't know how to recover, I found mm, people that exactly. were going to teach me how to do that too. Mm, and those are the people point. I fucked with. Those are the people that I ran with. Those are the people. And it just so happened the people that I was running with at the time were raising their hands and breaking you know, the silence. Yeah, and that's exactly. kind of followed in go. suit. And yep. you know, what you guys are doing you know, is huge. You know, There are so Thanks. many events coming out. I know um, Saturday night, Sunrise yep. Detox, we're going to be out there at... Uh, the pavilion in Lowell for um, Heroin's Killing My Town and Simple Path they're throwing and Sunrise Detox and North. There's a whole bunch yep. of sponsors with throwing yeah, the Overdose um, Awareness Day. Yes. Yeah. From you know? 6 to 9.30. 9, right. Um, at what's the pavilion? The, uh, out in Lowell. Yeah. I don't have the actual. Yeah, yeah I, we can put a link up we'll on, a link on up the page. At, at the out in Lowell pavilion. pavilion. Yeah. There's going to be some amazing <laughs> speakers, you know. Um, there's going to be, you know, amazing resources. Uh, I know Dina and Matt O'Malley are working really hard on this yeah, event. Yeah. They're grinding and oh, hustling. Yeah, we had Matt on the show. Yeah. yeah. No, Matt's a very close friend. You know, he, he he's, I can't even express how far that man has come. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of work with, you know, Dina and Matt and all these non-prop. Corey Finney with the Safe Project. Yeah. Like I was saying, we were here doing an event, a celebration of life four years ago. Yeah. When this recovery center first opened. It's yeah. all... These were the things that weren't out there when I was coming up. The, these, yeah, these are where the, the, the families need to bring their you know, 10, 11-year-old kids, come out and sit down. Yeah. We were at the Brockton Vigil. Um, vigil, uh, vigil. We were at the Brockton Vigil, me and Derek Cook, and we were sitting there on the stairs, and a 10-year-old boy came up to me and Derek and asked me and Derek, what do you guys do? And like, I left it to Derek, but miraculously, Derek explained to this 10-year-old boy what we do. And this little boy proceeded to tell us his views and opinions on the disease of addiction and then continued to tell us about the night that his father overdosed and died in front of him. Mm. And, like, it comes to a point, like, we, yeah, this disease of addiction is, is, is a whole generation has fallen by the wayside, but what about the generation we're leaving behind? Mm-hmm. What about them? Yeah, man. Yeah. What about the generation we're leaving about? Like, if I was to go so out into the park and want to get high, I got three kids and I'm going to have their father. What's going to happen yeah. to my three and, children? And, and yeah. you know, now there's, now there's groups for the grandparents right. that are raising the kids because the parents are no longer there. Like, all of these things, it, unfortunately, they have to come to fruition through a tragedy. But now you have the family restored. You got, you got support groups for uh, grandparents raising grandchildren. Like that's you huge. Know, it's I know, huge, and, and you know, I think it, it's it's also something that helps with the just uh, general mental health of yeah. of society. You know, all these these uh, not for profits, these programs, these awareness things. You know, it, it's good, but like you say, it's born from tragedy. Yeah, but like like I was just thinking, like you got you're gonna forge a sharp sword, 
it's mm. going to be through the fire. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. when I was 30 days clean in that halfway house over in Roxbury, there was a girl that I was seeing. She The day before, she had just dropped off a pair of Air Maxes and a bunch of cigarettes to the director for me. And uh, she was visiting me and stuff like that. You know, I was doing a commitment over at Dimmick Detox as part of the halfway house requirement. When I came back from that um, detox, 30 days clean, I found out she had overdosed and died. That halfway house allowed me to go to her funeral, and it was like a summertime. It was in July, and there was this vicious hailstorm, and you know, mm. I started getting these little spiritual awakenings back then. And yeah. you know, I, I went there, and I, I got very close with her mom, um, who oh, yeah. now has to raise her two children. And Courtney oh, yeah. was you know, a cornerstone for the work that I do today because, mm. you know, that mom, I plugged in with my mom and other moms who had lost their kids. And, you know, this was back when what, what exists now didn't exist back then. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a beautiful thing to see all these nonprofit organizations come to these events, put down their table, yeah. these treatment centers coming out. The more people talking about it, the more, you know, change we're going to have. The legislation more is working really hard. Yeah, M-O-A-R. Yeah, getting us a lot of things. Mary Ann is, she's so full of life and energy. Julie Bunch and Kim and all these people that are out there with more working to get legislation changed, to be a voice Mm -hmm. for people in recovery. And it's crazy. Just the event we did last weekend, um, Recovery Rocks, two of the people we interviewed are not addicts. And they do oh, yeah. so much for us yeah. and for everyone else that, that suffers. The That's allies huge. in this industry are some of the most loving, caring, and non-judgment, non-judgmental people. Mm. Um, I know for me, like my recovery, like I would, like there's Sam Sullivan, the intake coordinator from High Point. She handles all the high points. She's a very close friend of mine. She's an ally. She's a non-addict. She went to the recovery course training with me, um, with Malden's Overcoming Addiction, and she, you know, Day in and day out, hustles to get people beds yeah. and intakes and connects with <clears throat> me, Matt Gann, and Richie Evans. And we all work together to get as much help for as many people yeah. as we can. And, like, on a personal level, she has helped me as a non-addict get through some of the um, tribulations and traumas in my life. Non-addicts, right. like the clinical director at Dimmick, same thing. She's helped me get through things. You know, I got my girlfriend pregnant in early recovery and was going crazy they they help you get through things they're, they're very important to the recovery community Absolutely. allies yeah. non-recovering addict yeah yeah because they have a different perspective than that's, we do that's you what know? it's all about it's, it's all about perspective it, and, and, and that shift Right. So, yeah, we're getting there, and uh, I know it. you also have somewhere to be. I do. I got to go so. to her celebration. Yeah, so, we did it. We did it. Um, you know, we appreciate you coming on. I and appreciate you guys having if, me. If, you know, if there's any way that people can reach out to you, you know, you want to throw that out there. Please, Facebook, um, Rob Demio with Sunrise uh, Detox, mm. my phone number, we can post that. Yep. Um, inbox, anything, any way I can help, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, um, and the same with us, if, you know, if anyone's out there, you know, looking for help, struggling, you know, you can message the, the message page, the page. You can message us individually, you know. Yep. It honestly and, uh, takes a village. It really yes. does. Yep. Yeah. And We've also got events community. coming up. The, the event Saturday, the overdose awareness mm-hmm. with Heroin's Killing My Town out in Lowell. Waltham Overcoming Addiction is doing their overcoming day on September 8th or 9th. I think it's the 9th of Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, Moore has their recovery day in downtown boston they shut the city the thing down with the parade and yep, all yep. the guest speakers they'll be throwing that i think that's the 16th of september on september 12th we have the sunrise care golf tournament that's happening down in plymouth if you play golf get a hold of me sponsorships yep. available it's a great time great networking event for the treatment centers um you know sunrise detox is here in massachusetts we're giving back to the community 
you know, we're, we're here to help however and whoever we can. Yep. I know Saturday morning uh, Social Peer Recovery Center is having a sunrise vigil. Sunday morning. Um, Saturday morning. It's Saturday the 31st. It's at uh, 545 at Situate Lighthouse. I thought it was uh, Sunday. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, if you're up bright and early, uh, you could come and, you know, watch know the sunrise and, and remember those that have, you know, lost their life to this addiction. And if anybody wants to come on the show, message yep. the page. Absolutely. We're here. Uh, Weymouth. Oh, Jack Harper, Weymouth tonight is a candlelight vigil. That's right. So, mm. All right. All right, folks. Um, you know, thanks, Rob, for coming on and, and yep. sharing Thank with you, us. Rob, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, we we'll appreciate probably, we probably have you back on for one of our discussions. Yeah, we'll have you back. Yeah, we like to get a couple uh, previous guests and, and chop good. it up. You know yeah. what I mean? All right. So, lolterms.com. Please subscribe. Uh, please subscribe, like, share, and uh, if you need anything, hit us up. Peace. Peace. I live in this world full of anger and